brought to you by thegamereviews.com. You're listening to Big Red Potion, Cop Mode, Episode 2. And as always, I'm joined by just the one companion, uh, and his name is Joseph Delia, TGR Previews Director. Joe, how's your weekend been? Uh, it's been pretty fantastic. I did a lot of shopping, a lot of sleeping. Um, that's pretty much all I need in a weekend, so I'm, I'm all set. Excellent. How about you? Yeah, yeah, it's been good. Uh, like I was saying pre-show, I've got purple shoes. That's pretty much been the highlight of my week. Um, As it would be for anybody. Yeah, they're, they're sure. funky. I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> um, so in this in this show, we're actually going to go back on one of the things we were saying we weren't going to do in Big Red Potion. We're going to do what, we're, what we've been playing. <laughs> I guess. Um, except the to the end. Exactly. We, we've got a point behind it in that we've both been playing free, uh, the same free games, and they are free indie games. Um, so I think what we'll do is we'll start with Bitrip Beat. It's been developed by Gaijin Games, who are a free man development team. It's Alex Neuse, Chris Osborne, and Mike Roosh, I think. Uh, they said they built the company out of the love of chiptune music and vintage gaming, and uh, I'm pretty sure Joel will agree with me. You can see that in the game. Uh, the publisher's Axis Games. It's available on WiiWare um, for 600 points. That's both in the UK and the US. Luckily enough, it came out just uh, on Friday, because we weren't sure we were going to be able to get it in the show uh, for this week, but uh, it came out on Friday. It's been in the US since March. Is that right, Joe? Yeah, it's been there for a while. Pretty much. I don't know how about you, Joe, but I've been playing it to death since it came out. Oh yeah, I mean it's um it's really like it taps into pretty much every old school sensibility that I, I hold dear to my heart. Um, I love chiptune music. I love Atari eight bit graphics. I love um, simplistic yet you know kind of also deep through its um its nuances gameplay. And this this game, I mean, it, it taps into every old school gaming thing that I love and and I still continue to look for in games and um including the difficulty, which is the most trying aspect of the title. But, right. Uh, all right, so, I mean, for the people who haven't played Bitrip Beat, uh, it's just a little bit of information about it. So, imagine Pong, except the the right paddle, the second player paddle, is off screen. And the second player paddle all of a sudden can throw all this crap at you, crazy crap at you, in all this ridiculous order. That's pretty much a basic description of Bitrip Beat. There are balls coming at you from every side of the screen, every angle, every possible way. They come at you at different speeds. They come at you... From, from odd angles, they, they do weird things. Like sometimes they will, um, instead of just bouncing off your paddle and going back off the screen, they will bounce off your paddle, go about two inches, turn around, and come back at you. So you have to be ready to hit it right back immediately. There are special ones that, um, that, that weave webs on the screen that you have to de- deconstruct um, by hitting a certain, hit them a certain point. Basically, take the simple idea of Pong and blow it so wide open that anything is possible in the Pong universe, and you have a basic description of Bitrippy. Absolutely. Um, there are three, three of the levels on there, and um, e- each one has its own uh, music track to go along to it. And the, what, what, one of the best things about this game for me is the uh, synesthesia element with when your paddle connects with one of these blocks, it creates a little note that overlaps on top of the track. So it's very similar to Res. Um, yeah. I mean, the, my first thought was kind of everyday shooter, but I think it's more similar to Res in that um, it goes along with the with the track more. Whereas you know, everyday shooter, it feels more like you're being experimental with the music that you're creating on top of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can modify the music a bit. depending on how well you're doing. The music gets either better or worse than it than it normally is. So you do have a little bit of variation on the music. Whereas if you're doing really good, the, the song is going to be really pumping and have a lot of depth to it. 
but when you start messing up a little bit, it becomes basically Pong sounds, um, and all the rest of the music goes away. So there is a bit more to it than um, than something like the Res, I guess, but it doesn't have the uh, intricacy of something like Everyday Shooter where you're actually creating the music yourself. The controls are quite simple. You're just t- tilting the Wiimote. Um, and obviously because uh, you've got the option to tilt, you know, have it one way up or the other, you can, you know, have... Uh, normal you know up or down with with your movement or or reverse which uh, <laughs> i guess is one one benefit of using the Wiimote in that in that way but uh the other thing like you were saying it's it's tough this is a tough game yeah i mean it it, it might come across as something that's quite simple to you know get your head around when you first see it it but the difficulty ramps up so quickly yeah, I mean, if you're thinking that it's just kind of like Pong, where if you have a Pong skill, you can you can jump right into this, you're you're dead wrong, sir. There are so many things you have to learn in this game so quickly, and the game is very punishing with death. The, the levels, there's only three levels, but the levels are about, what would you say, about ten minutes long each? Yeah, roughly, yeah. If you die late in the game, in you know, the ninth minute of the ten-minute level, you're done. You have to start over from the beginning. And... The game consistently throws stuff at you that you where you won't know what to do. Like it'll 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 throw a pattern at you that you can't just use your normal you know up and down method. You have to figure out a special way of attacking this thing, and because of that, death will come very often and in plentiful amounts. So um, it basically becomes a old school gaming experience where you have to play until the moment you died, get a little bit further because you've picked up the pattern, and then die again, and then start over, play to that point again, get a little further, die so on and so forth. The challenging is brutal. And the, the most hilarious, I think, uh, part of that is that um, there's three levels, and the game won't save your progress unless you get on the high scoreboard. Right. So if you unlock level two, but you didn't get a score high enough to make the top ten list, you will have to unlock level two all over again the next time you boot up the game. Right. I mean, but on the other hand, if you have completed the stage, you've pretty much more, I think it's fairly likely that you'll have amassed enough points to be on the top 10 table. But it is quite an amusing thing. And I have heard a few stories of a few people going, where's my level gone? Which yeah, that was uh, me. I really, you. Yeah, Josh. the first time I played it, I did not unlock level. I did not place on the top 10. And I was sent into a screaming rage when I turned the Wii back on the next time. <laughs> nice. I mean, just to, just so people get an idea of how the scoring works, there's a, there's a top bar, which is kind of like your multiplier bar. And uh, that fills as you connect your, the blocks with the paddle. Then there's this bottom bar, which I guess is like your life bar. And I think for, to get the first multiplier, as long as you fill up that multiplier bar before the life bar fills, which fills up um, when you miss the blocks, obviously, then you start going into the multiplier mode, and that's how you you know amass the big points. But if in that mode, that first bit where the life bar fills up and you haven't got it, you know, the multiplier bar first filled up you go into this death mode, like you were saying, where it's all black and white and uh, there's just Pong noises. And it kind of, what it made me think of, and I don't know whether that was deliberate on the developer, it made me think of the um, Call of Duty-style uh, black and whiteing of the screen where everything goes silent. Just it, it's, oh, Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wonder if it was uh, a bit of a reference to that, because there are plenty of references in this game to lots and lots of games, not just old ones. I feel like there are a few sort of... Uh, in a weird way with this retro game, they're kind of looking at some new ideas. Um, I guess with Res, for example. So uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. He's made a weird connection with the, the <laughs> Call of Duty thing. But that, that's what it immediately made me think of. And uh, and if you don't keep your life bar from emptying in that uh, final mode, you you die. How far um, have you got? Have you got to the third stage, Joe? 
Yeah, I'm on the third stage. The, the problem with all that is that the the death bar fills up so much faster than the um, the the top bar, the one that gets you to the next uh, quote unquote stage of your ability. And um, man, later on in the second level, especially even right away in the third level, that death bar fills up awful quick. Right. I mean, I'm I'm on the third level too, and I've pretty much <laughs> the same thing of having to battle through that black and white mode and uh, try and survive and hold on and. Uh, I think I got just up to just before the boss and then died on my last go, and that frustrated me. But what do you think of the motion control? It's it takes some getting used to. I'm fine with it now, but at first it was I, I'd never felt like I was totally in control. Right. Of, of, I don't know how, how did you feel? Yeah, I um, I mean this game is is definitely about precision, much like very, a lot of other old school games, and I really wanted to be able to use the analog stick at some point in this game, or even the D-pad on the, on the Wii remote. Um, but I mean, after playing it for a while, you do definitely get used to it. Um, as as Sudan said, you tilt the remote um, upward or downward to to get the paddle to move, um, and it's definitely an interesting control method. It definitely um, works, but you will get frustrated because the paddle didn't move to where you thought it was going to move sometimes because there's no you know digital uh, representation of your control. On the other hand, I think with, if you had the analog controls, you can you wouldn't be able to move as quickly. Um, you know, you, I guess if you, unless you had maybe like a, the, you know, the DualShock type uh, or the 360 type analog, I don't think the um, nunchuck analog is that strong. It can, I don't think it can register really degrees mm-hmm. of movement as well. So, um, and there are some points where you're having to move from the top of the screen to the bottom of the screen in, you know, a half a second or less. I just don't think you'd get that with the analog controls. I think that would be way too hard to. To I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I think the Wii, using the Wiimote gives you that sensitivity that you kind of need, even if it's um, you know not necessarily <laughs> uh, as sure. precise as you'd like it to be. Yeah, so basically just to impart on people who are going to try it, um, you will get used to the controls. So just stick with it for a little bit. Right. What do you think of the of the different music that's in the in the levels and and the way that it uses the synesthesia? Yeah, so the music in the game is is really um, interesting. It's it. Even though the game looks like an Atari game, I, I would suppose the, the music is more of a, an NES style um, of chiptune music. Um, it's very, it's techno-y, it's very similar in some ways to Res, um, but the way that it implements, so basically every ball that you hit that comes at you when you hit it, um, it, it makes like a sound that would be part of the song. And the the rhythm that you get into with, this, the, with the music, um, it, it really does help you to hit the, the balls that are coming your way because you kind of get into a rhythm of, oh, well, I know that the beat goes boom, 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 so that's pretty much when the balls are going to be coming, so I have to get my paddle into position before the, the song would get to that point. So I, much like Rez, it definitely um, it fuels your ability to hit certain things and to get a rhythm going to know when exactly you have to move the paddle um, into the right spot. And I really love the, the way that, that it's done in this game, and the tunes are fantastic. I really wish there was some type of soundtrack available because they, they're really well done. Right, I totally agree. I, what I think is great about, uh, about the Sins Feature Disc and compared to, say, something like Res, I mean, I said earlier that, you know, when you provide those beats over Res, it kind of works with the, with the track a bit more than every shooter, but I think, like you're saying, this, it, I think it even works even better in this. You know, it feels like it's you're creating another layer of of I guess maybe because it's all uh, rather with Res, you still have some control over when you choose to, you know, uh, produce the beats. It's all sure. it's a little bit random. Whereas this, it's all you know, predestined. 
so you're actually, I guess, there's a second layer of music which you're unlocking rather than uh, mm. randomly creating a, a, another layer of music on top of it. Which once once you get into that that mode, like you say, the the special mode where uh, there's extra visuals on the screen and the music's really kicking, that's so fulfilling, especially when you keep you know keep that multiplier going you're not losing any points and you're getting every single note that you you need to get i just that's really fulfilling that's that's so satisfying oh it's phenomenal i mean the visuals people haven't seen it they're very much like res where um you know they'll be pulsing the spheres in the background and a a bunch of like comets going by for no reason and especially like level two there's like a a lava pit that you travel down as as you go and you really can't pay attention to them too much because you're too busy watching the thousands of balls that are coming at your paddle but um it's definitely it you know it, your eyes do pick it up and it definitely adds to the whole um experience quite a bit it all you know pumps together with the music so it, it really creates this immersive experience um it's very enjoyable to watch um and play of course and um especially when it gets to the boss fights which um were probably my favorite part of the game what did you think of um the two that i've, I've only seen two so yeah, far i've only seen two as well yeah um god I, I like them. Um, I, I don't know if necessarily my favorite part of the game. I, I wouldn't say they're amazing, but I did like that the second one is this reference to Breakout, which uh, yeah, that's great. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the first one, I, I kind of got a vibe of Mega Man from that. It's pretty much the, um, if you remember the first Mega Man, there was this uh, this big orange guy, right. and he would shoot individual pieces of himself at you that you had to jump over before you could kill him. And the, the first boss is basically that. It's a big block, and it keeps chipping off pieces of himself throwing them at you for you to hit back at him to, to take him down. It's very clever. And uh, as Sinan said, the second level it, the second level boss is Breakout. You have to play Breakout and to beat the boss. That's pretty much it. The other thing, I thought with the first one, I got a bit of a Space Invaders vibe as well. Um, sure. In terms of like the way that that, be it that thing on the other side of the screen looks, it looks a bit like those yellow blocks that you shoot through to get to the uh, aliens. Sure. And, and the way it disintegrates is kind of similar. But I... I think you're probably more right with the Mega Man thing, but there are there are loads of references. They're obviously like you know they, like like we said at the beginning of the show, there's this love of retro gaming from these developers, and it shines through the whole experience. If I if I was reviewing this game, I, I don't think you couldn't make mention of difficulty because it's a huge barrier to entry. There is a very specific group of people who will enjoy Bitrip Beat. This is not a game for everybody, and. Um... Every, as I mentioned before, the levels are about 10 minutes long. You will die at the ninth minute of those levels multiple times before you make it to the end. It, it, they keep throwing so many new patterns at you that you, at first, won't really have time to learn how to take them down because everything moves extremely fast in this game. Things are constantly happening. And they will throw multiple types of balls at you at the same time. For example, there might be a zigzagging ball coming at you at the same time as this slow-moving ball that um, takes forever to get to you. But, of course, you have to keep that in your eye uh, length so that you know when to move in time to hit it. And because so much stuff is happening, feel, get that feeling of being overwhelmed, which happens in some games. And when that happens, you'll, you'll see your death meter fill up real quick, and you'll be stuck in that Pong mode, that 2D, a very you know, a two, uh, black and white Pong mode. And it's pretty much the nerves will kick in at that point and decide whether or not you're going to finish this thing. But um, you need fast reflexes. You need to get a hang of the controls real quick. And you need to have, I think you need to have a kind of old school sensibility when it comes to pattern memorization. Yeah. Because that's what this game is about from beginning to end. Totally. And I mean, even myself, like I, I you know, love games like Contra and stuff like that where you have all the, you have to memorize everything and every little piece. And I've beaten all the Mega Mans. Even I am like, 
getting extremely angry at level three because <laughs> it's so difficult. It really, really is. I mean, you totally nail it when you bring up Conjure because this is more like a side-scrolling shooter than anything else in that you have to remember where all these things are popping up from, what you need to avoid. Uh, not, not what you need to avoid, but, you know, what I, you have to just really remember every single part of the level. I mean, the one thing I'd say about the difficulty in its favour is with the types of blocks that you get in the first level, they kind of get evolved into in and how they appear in the second level. So say that spirally block, you know, the the brown blocks that spiral and maybe mm-hmm. at, at the beginning they just sort of do a little U-turn off your paddle. In the second level, they'll move up and down quite slowly, and that's the only difference for them. And then in the third level, they'll, you know, m- move up and down much quicker or they'll, you might get uh, them at varying paces or whatever, and it's... In that way, there is this as much as the difficulty, difficulty curve is steep, it's constant. You, you yeah. don't feel like you are suddenly being robbed. <laughs> you know, the, the last right. level doesn't really feel like it's that much more difficult than the second level, but it's just, it is still <laughs> just above, <laughs> I think, most players' abilities, maybe. To be fair, um, I, I find that I don't keep playing the levels until a certain point and dying, which, I mean, a lot of times when a game gets too difficult, that's what happens. You get stuck in a specific moment and you can't pass it. In this game, I found that every time I restarted a level, I would get past the part that I previously died on. I mean, I would die 30 seconds later <laughs> when the next thing came at me, but I would get past, like I was never stuck at a specific moment that I was screaming and wanted to fling the Wii remote through my television. So I, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, and that that has you know in its favor that um, that definitely works. For me, I think it's 100% worth it if you have this the old school sensibility in you. If you if you like the kind of games that will challenge you and that will make you scream, by all means, you will love this game. And if you like you know, chiptune music, you will love this game also. Even if you've only played through the first level, because the first level is not really that difficult. But if you're the kind of person who likes 100% things and you, you know, you're really stingy about your virtual dollars, this game might piss you off too much. <laughs> I, I, I totally agree. I think it is value for money. Maybe what I want is just to, to cost a bit more and to have a couple more levels, because I, sure. once I get to the end of that third level, I'll come back to it because I want to push up my score, but I can see myself dropping this game quite quickly. I feel like. I've enjoyed every single minute I've had with it, but I wouldn't have minded a couple more levels. And the other thing is online leaderboards as well, which are obviously, because of the way the Wii works, not there. Yeah, of course. Um, I'd, I would actually appreciate it if they had chopped the levels in half so that you don't have to play through the you know the seven, eight minutes or whatever that it takes to get back to the point that you died at, because that's kind of frustrating, especially later on. But other than that, I mean, the game also has a four-player co-op mode, too, which I haven't had a chance to try out yet, but it sounds very interesting. And from what I was reading about it, it makes the game significantly easier. How strong a debut is this for Gaijin Games and Axis Games on WiiWare? Yeah, I mean, I, I really am looking forward to um, their next game, which um, it actually, even though it's it's also going to be called BitDrip, it's going to be a totally different game than this. Uh, different gameplay, different obviously different references to other stuff. So um, I think it's a... If for a person like me who was drooling when they unveiled Mega Man 9 <laughs> and looked forward to it every day and it was actually my most anticipated game of last fall was Mega Man 9 without a doubt Wow! so um, for that kind of guy you will love this game but everyone else, the casual gamers stay far away from this game yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say necessarily if, you, if you're casual but uh, it's stay away but if you do not think that you're necessarily a very good game or you have difficulty right. with uh, these kind of you know uh, quick reflex type games, then be wary. You, you might find that you can't get past the first level, and that'll be very frustrating. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I love it, and uh, I think this is you know 
the game WiiWare has been waiting for, really. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, you talked about that second game, Bitrip Core, and they're going to do the same thing. They're going to have a similar rhythm-based gameplay, but it's going to have... Uh, well, I, I love the idea of this plus shape as the this thing in the middle of the screen that can fire a mm-hmm. laser beam in the, only four directions. And so the objective is kind of similar to, I guess... Uh, asteroids in that you have all yeah. these blocks zooming around and you have to shoot them off but it, I can just if it's similar to this I can just see it being you know uh, not how you could imagine it at all it's going to be no. crazy okay so uh, I think that's a big thumbs up from both of us on Bitrip Beat let's move on to our second game which is Dyson which we're only going to talk briefly about because it's still very much a work in progress uh, the developers are Rudolf Kramers and Alex May it's available free for PC, if you go to www.dyson-game.com it was nominated for the IGF, Independent Games Festival Seamus McNally Grand Prize it didn't win, it was the hot favourite though, but uh, it was beaten by Blueberry Garden of course And like I said, it's obviously currently a work in progress and the uh, the interesting thing about this game is it was originally made in just one month for a, a, a procedural generation competition which it came second in, but when you look at it, it doesn't look like the kind of game that could have been made in one month it's it's it honestly doesn't at all it has a very distinct style to it that you think would have taken a lot longer than that to come up with. Right. So we've only we've both only you know played a little bit of it because uh, we we only really wanted to put this game in at the last minute and uh, like like I said it's a work in progress so I don't really want to provide any judgments on it but I know you're not a traditional real time strategy player which uh, obviously this game is but this isn't a traditional real time strategy so I'm I'm intrigued Not to get your all. thoughts on it. My first impression of the game was it it is a bit. It is a bit much when you first jump into the game. There's a, a help, and there's they do explain things to you. But um, I'm kind of... I've always been a console gamer, so I'm always used to push the button and something big happens. And this game is the complete antithesis of that. Right. Um, so basically, um, you control these seeds, I believe they're called, right? That's right. Yeah, and they... Um, there are these asteroids all over the place, um, and you can plant the seeds in the asteroids, which will allow you to develop more seeds, or you can plant the seeds in the asteroids, and they will develop turrets, defensive turrets, basically, for your, your asteroid. Right. And um, what you want to do is you want to send your seeds to other planets that are around your asteroid to capture them and to build up defenses for the enemies that are about to come on screen. It sounds like an action game the way I just described it, but it's actually far from it. It's very, uh, it's very slow paced. It's very uh, methodical, right. but it's pretty deep in the way. I mean, it's a very simplistic game, but it's very deep in the way that you can you can play it. There's a lot of different nuances to the gameplay that you can't really pick up from reading the how-to and stuff. It's something you have to kind of just play around with it to learn. Um, and I thought it was interesting. I thought it was a really different type of gaming experience. It, it, not quite real-time strategy. It's not quite desktop tower defense, you know, style thing, but um, kind of like I guess a, a really odd meshing of the two that uh, that really is quite unlike anything else I've played. Mm. I mean, I I had the same first for when I started up. I I looked at that how to play and was thinking there's a lot of information here. But at the end of the day, it's actually quite. A, a traditional basic RTS in terms of the, the bases of it, and I, and by that I mean at the end of the day these asteroids are bases. You have these units which are the seeds. You can either plant, uh, like you say, trees which will create seeds or uh, these turret seeds, and uh, so really you just got you know like your barracks and uh, a defensive mm-hmm. turret, and you go and try to conquer other bases. There's just no really sort of in between about it, is it? It's just this big open space. Um, 
and I guess the visual style, if you kind of imagine all these circles are these bases, it's very minimalist. So you've just got circles of spaces, the seeds are quite small. Um, it looks a lot like pink, Pixel Junk Eden uh, in terms of visual style, but not as colourful. It's, it's quite minimal. It's got, a quite, I think, a cream background and grey circles, which are coloured by the, the player who owns the, owns the asteroid. It reminded me a lot of Flow, actually. If you if you inverse Flow, where the background's white and everything else is kind of darker, then it, it pretty much looks very similar. Right. I mean, there, there is something quite pretty about the minimalism about it. And uh, yeah. I know that's what the developer was going for. They wanted to... I think there's a quote on they gave in an, in an, in an interview saying they want to make space colonization look pretty and poetic. And I think it, it, there is an element of it. But what's interesting about it, for how how basic it is in terms of... The only real variabilities is are these asteroids, which can create different types of seed based on three stats. They can have different strengths, different speeds, and different energies or hit points. I guess is a better way to think of it. And what what's, what makes it interesting is that you don't know the stats of the asteroid you're going to, so you have to kind of try and work it out based on where this asteroid lies in relation to other ones, where you reckon it will be able to reach to, what stats you reckon it will have because of based on the size. And I think what I tweaked, I don't know if you noticed it, Joe, but the smaller asteroids had worse stats than the bigger asteroids. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's kind of there in your in your mind. And the other weird thing is, well, you don't know where the enemies are. It's kind of got that RTS darkness so uh, in, in terms of you don't have any information really on these asteroids and you don't know whether this asteroid you're about to attack is going to be <laughs> inhabited by like 500 seeds or something <laughs> you just uh, send five in and see them die quickly <laughs> it's like, oh, okay yeah. first time that happened i like jumped away from my keyboard i had no clue what was going on i was like oh god right but um it's it, it's definitely um I mean, the interesting thing about it is that you can't just, like, you know, click... Uh, like, most RTS games, you could just kind of click an area and say, hey, go here. You have to, um... You have to, like... Y you have to go to an asteroid that is currently inhabited by a few of your, your seed fellas and um, drag... You could make this line from one asteroid to another and, like, draw this line for them to travel across, basically. Right. And um, that, like, it keeps you from being able to, like, just jump from one asteroid here to another asteroid that's really far away. You have to kind of make your way over to them as you as you make your way through the map. Right. Um, it's interesting. It's definitely um, an odd uh, RTS-type experience that um, if you can get over the learning curve, which uh, took me, you know, a solid 15, 20 minutes just to get a hang of exactly what I was doing when I was sending seeds to certain planets and stuff. Right. Um, it's 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 worth trying. It's especially because it's it's a free game. So I mean, absolutely. If you like the kind of RTS genre and you want to try something radically, you know, new in that genre, to give uh, Dyson a shot. It's definitely really cool to watch. Totally. I mean, that, I was just going to say that a couple of things. Will, I wanted to bring up before we move on. You you mentioned you know like you can't really jump across to from one asteroid on one side of the screen to another, and that gives it that kind of risk element. You know, you have to go through each country, and tr it's almost like transferring your troops across the map slowly, 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 <laughs> and then you get to you. All of a sudden, you have this uh, huge army on this one asteroid, just waiting to attack another. Um, which I, I, you know, it's interesting. It's different. I'm, I'm I feel like um, it needs to be a bit more depth than what there is currently, in in terms of those base mechanics. But it, it's certainly interesting. The thing that most impressed me about it was with its visuals in terms of you can you have that typical RTS thing of being able to zoom right out or just come right in. But when you what's great about coming right in with the with this game is that the seeds that you create based on their stats, they they have different sizes. 
So if they've got a huge speed, they'll have huge wings. If they've got right. huge strength, they'll have huge noses. Or I think it's, and if they've got huge energy, they'll have huge tails. So you can get a, this idea of how the battle's going to go by zooming in and seeing how big your enemy is versus you. And uh, it's quite, you suddenly realise, oh, I've got 16 versus 10. Oh, wait, no, these guys are behemoths. <laughs> They're going to absolutely <laughs> destroy me. The one thing I felt was really lacking from the whole thing was multiplayer. Uh, I felt like the AI, the AI wasn't really very good, but it's a work in progress, and the developers certainly acknowledge that the AI isn't very good, but they also don't have any plans to put multiplayer in this game. Which that I mean, that's like... kind of what RTS is built around, isn't right, it? I mean, yeah. Multiplayer is the whole... The single-player campaign is usually just to teach you how to play multiplayer. Right. And I, I know they are aware of the AI and they, and they say it's not very good, but it really isn't very good. It was mm. so. I, I mean, I've only got up to level three, but I wasn't having any trouble with it, and I wasn't really using very complex tactics. It was just a matter right. of uh, create, 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 move, move, move. So uh, there are issues, but it's a work in progress. And for what you know, where it is now, it, it looks excellent, and I, I, I do look forward to the end product. And uh, I think it could be one of those if they can really get that identity and really push forward that idea of it being this poetic RTS, which I know they're keen to, then it really could be a strong game when it's finished. Yeah, the the visual style is striking enough that if they got the mechanics to a place where they were, A, a bit more accessible from the the get-go, and B, uh, as you said, have a little bit more depth to the the whole uh, system, uh, I think it could really be a winner as far as just, you know, the... um, those looking for a different RTS experience than the Command and Conquer and, and so on. Absolutely. So that's uh, Dyson. If you go to um, www.dyson-game.com, it's absolutely free and uh, worth a look. So we're on to our final game, and that's And Yet It Moves, which, is been, which has been developed by Broken Rules, published by them and Steam. It's available from their website, and yet it moves.net for $15, roughly £10, I guess, in, in this country. And it's also available on Steam, obviously, Greenhouse and Gamersgate, which uh, I have no knowledge of, to be honest, but uh, if you yep. use those two <laughs> clients, good for you. So I want to say thank you to Felix Bahatch, who uh, was the game design and project lead for this game, and he's been very kind in terms of giving us support and getting us a uh, uh, hold of this game. So uh, thank you, Felix. All right, so... Um... Much like how Braid took the 2D platformer and kind of threw you know, a number of different um, elements into them that had really never been seen before and made it feel really new and different. Um, and yet it moves, attempts to do the same thing. So basically you have this guy, and um, the art style is very striking, first of all. It's like the, the, the guy is kind of like a sketch drawing um, in, in this world that's made up of, looks like cutouts, like magazine cutouts, kind of like Little Big Planet, actually. It looks very much like Little Big Planet with them. Like picture cutouts as, as all of the environmental pieces. Right. So um, you have this guy, and he there's no attacking or anything. He can just run and jump. But when he gets to an obstacle that he can't jump over, the twist of this game is the fact that you can actually twist the environment. So um, you have three buttons. You have one that turns the environment 90 degrees to the right, one that turns it 90 degrees to the left, and one that does a 180 with the environment so that your ceiling will become your floor and so on. So if you're running and there's a wall in your way, you would turn the camera, the, the environment 90 degrees to the right so that you could just walk right up that wall as if it's a floor. Um, and um, the game really builds every level to be uh, a menagerie of puzzles for the, this, this mechanic so that like, like later on you'll see um, jumps that you have to jump 
switch the perspective in midair and then complete the jump on a sideways platform that you would have fought, you know, fallen and got yourself killed if you didn't turn the, the environment. There's, um, there's spinning levels where you have to complete, you know, keep turning the environment as the world itself is spinning so that you get yourself in the position that you need to be in to slide through a certain piece of the level. There are um, a bunch of mazes that you have to get through by turning the environment so your guy can fall. And the, uh, the problem, of course, well, not the problem, but the, the reason that you can't just jump and fly all over the place is that your character dies if he falls too far. There is fall damage, and um, there's no, actually no damage. You just die. <laughs> he just uh, he goes scotch and uh, breaks and... Uh, that's, dies. Uh, you know. I, um, I love the... Um, you touched on the art style, which is brilliant in itself. You know, you've got, like you said... Uh, it's all it's it's wonderfully indie in terms of it feels like a bunch of stuff scanned in, which I guess it probably was. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the sound style is even more indie and brilliant. Um, <laughs> you know, all the music's just just I guess the developers making little notes, uh, tiny little note recordings, and then stringing them together to create an occasional beat. Um, yeah. And then you you know all the sound effects are them providing <laughs> onomatopoeic mm-hmm. sound effects, I guess. So yeah. uh, when when he breaks, it's scotch. If B flies overhead, you hear bzzz. It's pretty funny. And it, it just sounds like two guys <laughs> going bzzz into a microphone. It's brilliant. Uh, and that immediately enamored me with the game. But uh, the thing is, how I, I don't know how you felt about it, Joe. I, for the first two chapters, and there are three chapters in this game, I felt like I was enjoying a bit that this mechanic hadn't been exploited enough. Like, you look at, say, um, Braid and all the things it does with all its various mechanics, and it, it really uses them to its full potential. I felt up up to in those first two chapters, everything was kind of expected and predictable. Uh, so, you know, puzzles might involve just, uh, like you say, very uh, being, being aware of this um, momentum that your character has and just trying to be safe and... Uh, making basic jumps and avoiding objects and uh, stringing through mazes. There were a few clever things, but it it was, it didn't really feel like it, they were doing anything crazy or, or exciting. Right. I don't, uh, what, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, they never really, uh, it's not like Braid where you're constantly be given these new tricks to, to do while you're playing. There's, they don't really evolve the mechanic too much in this game. They just kind of find new ways for you to, to present it. So I think, I think in the second chapter they introduce enemies, if I'm um, there'll be like a, a bee, for example, that you can't kill in any way that you know, but you have to figure out how to kill him by twisting the environment. So maybe you find a rock that you can twist the environment enough so that the rock will drop on his head and kill him or something along those lines. Right. Um, but that's really it. I mean, the first, I really enjoyed the game from the outset, um, but it did begin to wear on me a little bit in the, the middle section of the game because they don't really, they switch up the environment a little bit, but they don't really switch up the puzzles that you're getting. It's still the same kind of, you know, figure out how to jump here, figure out how to, you know, twist the environment this way, figure out how to drop through this certain section of the level. Right. Um, and it, it really never evolves past that too no. much in the two-thirds of the game, the first two-thirds of the game. No, and yeah, just one thing. I like, before we get on to to what happens after that point, but uh, when I heard, you know, we read about this game, it was a rotational two D game. My first thought was a Fez, which uh, yeah, I don't know if you've seen the images of or, or videos yes. of it, right? Um, but that's obviously more three dimensional, isn't it? Um, so if, yeah, that, so if people think this is anything like Fez, it's not. This is all rotating in one dimension and. Uh, keeping very much 2D gameplay, so it's it's not nothing like Fez. 
what it actually reminded me more of because of the momentum was Portal uh, sure. in a weird way. I don't know. Did you get that at all? Yeah, I mean, definitely. The, the, as Sinem was referencing, um, in this game, like um, your character does pick up momentum as he jumps. So there'll be times where you'll have to twist the camera like at the peak of your jump so that you have enough momentum to make a jump on you know the sideways version of this level and um you really get it then especially there's, there's like kind of like a trampoline that you'll come upon in the game um actually it's more like a diving board but you have to really get like a solid amount of momentum when you dive onto this board so that you can make the jump successfully and as Sinan said you have to learn to use your momentum to make things because if you don't you will end up dead in the pit scooched right. Scotch. I love it. It's brilliant. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's actually that the B puzzle that you mentioned. That's that's pretty much the turning point for me in this game. Where um, with that, uh, I better we better give a preface of spoilers because I don't want to give the puzzles away uh, to people who want to go play this game. But uh, yeah, with that puzzle, basically, there's a you've been introduced to fire, the concept of fire in, in this game, and uh, how you can. Break uh, break open these rocks with I think other rocks and things mm. set things on fire through the reaction and what's brilliant about that is it's it's signposted so cleverly. You, the the thing that's quite clear as you go up to these to the B is there's this trail of leaves connecting to it and once you realise that as you rotate the screen the fire rotates and you have to rotate the fire so it can travel from one leaf to the next and I just thought okay that's that's a bit different to what you've been doing before. There's a bit more lateral thinking about it. From that stage on, the lateral thinking thing was what they really, really pushed forward. And uh, every single puzzle from that point on was far better than any of the puzzles before it. It's just, oh, yeah. I, I felt like they nailed it from that stage onwards. Yeah, I mean, the first half of the game is pretty much just a straight-up platformer, except the fact that you can twist the environments. But the second half of the game, they really start throwing a lot of puzzles at you that are um, similar to the way Portal does it, where you have to kind of put yourself in this character's shoes and try and think like he would and think how to get yourself out of the situation that you're in. And that's where the game really picks up, gets very uh, much more interesting. And the, the third chapter in specific, which is the last six levels, um, they get really, really clever in their implementation, um, especially. Um, my favorite part being the... Um, there's a Mega Man homage with these disappearing platforms. Oh, yeah. And um, it's kind of like in the first couple of Mega Man games where you know, the box will appear, and then a couple seconds later it'll disappear, and then the next one will appear, so you have to kind of jump from one to the other while they're, while they're transitioning. Um, and it's very, it's very fun, very clever, and it really keeps the flow going in the latter half of the game, making you want to keep going, play the next level and, and very cleverly. There's also this uh, with the with the art in the third chapter onwards. It's just beautiful. There's this uh, uh, glowing background with all the rocks, and it's just all of a sudden it's just really, really. Apt. I mean, the, the art style's wonderful beforehand, but it's not quite as pretty and beautiful as it as it is in that third chapter, and it just right. uh, creates this kind. Of, it makes that third chapter feel really, really special, and all the puzzles like. Uh, you, you mentioned the disappearing platforms, which also, by the way, you know they've got that musical element to them. They they disappear and reappear in, with, with the beat. There's the uh, the shadow levels where you've got to try and uh, move your character and a shadow version of your character to your goal and the shadow goal. And mm -hmm. obviously, of course, the mazes are, are not uh, built so that that's <laughs> an easy task. Um, and uh, there's uh, other things like the slingshots and the yeah, so many really clever puzzles. And I guess how I felt with the first two chapters, I was 
more getting through by chance than anything else. I was just rotating it, and I didn't, it, was either, it was either very easy to work out, or I was getting through just by, I don't know, rotating it a certain amount of times and right. ending up on, on a platform or whatever. And uh, at this point, like you say, I was I was thinking thinking hard about how I was going to do all these puzzles, and it it felt much more like a puzzle game at that stage. Yeah, it almost felt kind of like um, the way Portal, the first two-thirds of Portal were in these contained environments where you're just kind of going through the motions, and then the, the last third, you're, you're, you're busted out, you have all these crazy things coming at you, and everything's a lot more complex, and, and in a way, it's very similar that, to that. Hmm. I, I feel like maybe they spend a bit too much time trying to introduce the ideas to you of this, uh, of what the different kind of puzzles they can have, so a lot of it's, you know... Uh, the trying to teach you about momentum and trying to make you realize that there are objects you can manipulate for the environment. Yeah. But I feel it's a too short a game to spend that long getting the player used to the to the mechanics. Yeah, I mean, you will spend the most time in the game in the second chapter, um, and that is the weakest of the three. So right. you're going to have to kind of soldier through that part to get to the, the meat of the game, but it's it's worth it, I would say. It's worth it. Yeah, I'd say it's worth it. That third chapter is, is special. And... Um, it doesn't end there, of course, because uh, there's the online mode in terms of you can compete with other players' ghosts and uh, in, a, in a time trial. That's very cool for an indie game to have this. And the, I, I checked on the servers, you know, checked to see the times. It was all there. I could, I could see anyone's time. Very, very stable. Uh, yeah. Very impressive. And they built a in-game achievement system. Um, if you want to, they, they like try beat every level in the second chapter in 25 minutes. They'll, you know, if you want to go through it a second time with all these things in mind, you can unlock a whole bunch of things um, with the achievements. And it's very, it's it's very well implemented. And um, as Sanan said, the, the, the time trial uh, competition mode is very well done. So uh, for those people who like to really get a lot of, you know, their value out of the game, play it multiple times. There's uh, many, many reasons to replay this game. Right. And I think uh, because the physics are quite strong in this game, you will get fun out of that time trial mode. You know, mm-hmm. you won't feel like it's it's basic. There is quite a bit of skill to being able to uh, do these jumps as quickly as possible and knowing how to manipulate, say, like the big swings as well, because they're quite tricky. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a bit buggy. I don't know how you, if you've had a few bugs or problems oh, with it. Uh, yeah, it erased my progress uh, in the third chapter. I lost four levels of progress. Nice. Um, but the third chapter is the best, so I didn't really mind going through no, that again. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would also highly recommend, I don't know how you played it, but I used the Xbox 360 controller. Oh, really? Um, I would highly recommend playing this game with a controller. It's much more fluid. That way. I tried it with the keyboard also, and I really didn't like it as much. So um, if you have a controller, please please use it. I, I actually used the keyboard and didn't have any problems with it, but um, I'm, I'm, we know that I'm more of a PC gamer than you. So. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, it really surprised me in that third chapter, and uh, I, I was kind of thinking it. I was I was enjoying it at that stage, but you know, not necessarily impressed by it. But the third chapter really swung it for me. And I, if I, I, I what I would plead to people who decide to have a go at this game, don't get too disheartened in that second chapter. Once right. you get to that, like I said, this pyromania level, it really does pick up, and it really is worth it. Yeah, I was getting a little disheartened during the second chapter. Um, but, uh, I mean, I stuck with it, and it's well worth it. Um, definitely worth picking up. And there is a demo available also, so if you guys want to just give it a shot, um, it's there's a demo, and it's very fun, um, very different, very cool. And I really hope... This is a perfect game for PSN and XBLA. I would hope that someone picks this game up and ports it. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I know uh, a few people, when we talked about uh, these games and on Twitter, were keen to know if they 
could play on Mac, and this one does play on Mac, so uh, Mac users, yeah, go for it. So, those three quite different indie games. We've got, you know, a, a, a retro rhythm game, a, a bizarre poetic RTS, and then this uh, 2D platformer which uh, tries to do a lot of different things, I guess, with this one mechanic. And uh, wow, they're, they're uh, let, let's yeah, let's let's be definitive about it. Which one did you enjoy the most, Joe? Um, I will say that I enjoyed Bitrip Beat the most. But I will say that, and yet it moves, is probably the best game of the three. Yeah, I, I think that's actually, I think we're, our, our love for Bitrip Beat is quite uh, subjective. Yes. <laughs> um, well, I think it, I think most people will enjoy and, and yet it moves. Um, but I would, if you're interested in supporting indie games, I would give all three a go. And uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, you know, worth a shot. And I mean, they're, they're also like, you know, the whole thing with indie games is you're trying to get something different than you will get on like a, you know, an Xbox download or something. And these games all do give you something different. So if you if you have that mindset where you want to try new things and unique experiences, these three will definitely set you right. Absolutely. So, uh, wonderful thought to close on. So I'll just uh, give a bit of information for, for those three games for people who are interested. So with Bitrip Beat, it's on WiiWare, like I said, 600 points. Uh, if you go to the WiiWare section and look for publisher Axis Games, or, or if you're on the UK channel, it's in the most popular section. I'm pretty sure it'll probably be in the most popular section in the US. Um, Dyson is available from www.dyson-game.com it's absolutely free at the moment um, I'm not available on Mac unfortunately, however And Yet It Moves is available on Mac, you can get it from www.andyetitmoves.net for $15 and it is also available on Steam Greenhouse and Gamersgate so um, our congratulations to all three developers and publishers three very strong games and uh, I hope you guys enjoy playing them as much as we did so, next week we're talking about death in video games. We'll be joined by uh, two more... What's with us and people from Portland, Oregon? I don't... <laughs> I, I guess it's the place to be. Yeah. It is the gaming mecca of uh, <laughs> America. Um, but yes, we... we get my ass over there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, we'll be joined by Jeffrey Matleff, who's been on the show before from TGR. But we'll also be joined by Steve Haskey from Play Online. So, we'll be talking about death in video games... And uh, that's part the first part of a two-part special. Um, what, what's the bent we're having in this one, Joey, with the first with the first show? Uh, the first show is going to be concerned on how um, many games recently have kind of downplayed the importance of death, and uh, we're going to talk about how that has come about, whether or not that is the right way to go in the future, and um, why death has no longer become relevant in many different games. Excellent stuff. So. Before I go to Joe for his closing thought, I just wanted to pass on my thanks to uh, all the people who supported this podcast so far. We're into our third month, unbelievably. Um, there have been lots of kind iTunes reviews, lots of great feedback, uh, and the download numbers are very, very encouraging. So thank you so much to everyone who's listening, who's supporting the podcast. I'm, I'm sure you'd agree, Joe. Absolutely. Thank you very much to everyone who's given us the kind words. Um, uh, so much support from everybody. So to all of you, thank you very much. Yeah. So, um, Joe, closing thought for this week. Um, a fourth indie game to try out, and this one is also absolutely free. Uh, I discovered this game. They had actually talked about it on Rebel FM a really long time ago, and I finally got around to playing it, called Gravity Bone. It is this completely free first-person uh, spy game, I guess you can call it. Uh, it uses the Quake 2 engine, but they developed this really weird, wacky style for it. It makes everyone kind of look like Lego people. And, um... 
the game takes about 20 minutes to play through, and there's not a whole lot of gameplay to it, um, and the gameplay isn't that strong, but it is a really funny, weird, strange game that, since it is free, I recommend you all try it, and you can get that at www.blendogames.com. Fantastic stuff. Okay, so we'll join you all next week to talk about death in video games. Until then, have a great week.